Dear Mr. and Ms. Forrester, I realize there is nothing I can say to relieve the pain of your loss. However, I am compelled to tell you how much of an honor and privilege it was to serve with Mark. Although Mark was on his first assignment as a combat controller, he was, without a doubt, one of the most skilled operators I have ever had the pleasure of working with. Additionally, as you know, he was a phenomenal person and great American who positively influenced everyone he came in contact with. His loss is felt throughout the Special Tactics community, and on behalf of the men and women of the 21st Special Tactics Squadron, I can tell you that it is as if we lost a member of our own family. Greetings, fellow patriots. Thank you for tuning in this week to the special episode. Today, September 29th, 2019, marks the ninth anniversary of the death of my little brother Mark. And that paragraph I just read is from Mark's commander, Colonel Parks Hughes, and he wrote this on October the 1st, 2010, so just a few days after Mark's death. He was still downrange, and he sent this to us, and I'm going to go ahead and continue this letter, and then when I'm done, I'm going to bring in Mark's sister, Terry, and dad. So I was glad to have them both here. This is a different kind of episode. Every since I've had I had this podcast every year on the 29th of September, I have a special that's all about Mark. I've had teammates. I've had his brother, Joseph. I've done a few different things each year. So this year it's all about Mark, and it's, it's, it's different. So you may or may not be interested in it. But I'll continue with this letter, and then we'll get in, and we'll talk about Mark as a child, Mark as an adult, as a teenager, and what his legacy is according to his dad and to his sister. I had a great time talking to them tonight. Uh, to continue with the letter, I know that Colonel Armfield has briefed you in detail on the circumstances of Mark's death, but to reiterate the facts as we understand them. On 29 September 2010, Mark was killed in action in a close fight with a determined enemy while participating in a significant clearance operation in Aruzgan province, Afghanistan. During this operation, Mark distinguished himself as he did throughout the deployment as a skilled special operations professional, a courageous warrior, and a selfless teammate. On this date, while advancing on the suspected enemy ambush site, Mark performed his professional duties superbly. He covered the team with close air support, provided suppressive fire with his personal weapon, killed several enemy fighters, and maneuvered his element into position to flank the enemy. When his teammate and friend, Calvin Harrison, was shot by a sniper in the open, Mark organized the team to go get him. Mark led the recovery element out of the compound in which they had taken cover. As they advanced into the face of the enemy machine gun fire in an effort to recover Calvin, Mark was struck by a bullet in the upper chest and went down. When the team sergeant returned to check on Mark a few seconds later, he was unresponsive and had no pulse. He and Calvin were subsequently evacuated by helicopter to the surgical facility at Terran Cout, where they were both pronounced killed in action. I have spoken at length with Mark's Special Forces teammates who were with him during his deployment. They all spoke of his sense of humor, his infectious positive attitude, his professional skill, his courage, and most of all, his selflessness. To a man, they said that Mark was a guy who ran toward the sound of enemy fire. As parents, I'm sure that's not what you want to hear, but as a special operations professional, that trait is highly regarded. They remarked how he always made his way to the front of the formation even when his combat controller duties did not require him to be there. The Special Forces team sergeant spoke of one, one mission when they couldn't get the Afghan Army forces to advance toward forward under fire. Instead of hanging in the back and coordinating close air support, which would have been perfectly acceptable, 
Mark was one of the guys out in front directing and encouraging the Afghan forces to move forward. Additionally, Mark was well-known and well-respected by pilots across Afghanistan. Across Afghanistan, He was known to them by his call sign, Jaguar 28, which is now re- retired in his honor. Many pilots have told me that he was the most remarkable controller they ever worked with. Over the course of his five months in the field, he controlled nearly 300 aircraft. Many of those missions were flown by the same pilots, so they got to know Mark over the radio. On one occasion... Mark's team was engaged with the enemy, and Brigadier General Johnson, the wing commander at Kandahar Air Base, was flying his A-10 in support of the mission. When the general was directed by, by the airspace controller to hand over the mission to another, fight, to another flight of aircraft, he refused to depart until he ensured that Mark and his team were out of harm's way. To honor Mark, General Johnson scheduled himself for a mission on for October, and on that day, he flew his A-10 low and fast over Mark's memorial ceremony at Tarankow. It was quite the gesture. Thank you for raising a son who saw fit to serve his country as one of the elite. Many people serve, but only a fraction of 1% are willing to accept the risk and make the sacrifices necessary to join the special operations ranks. Mark was one of those rare people. Mark served with honor and distinction, and he performed the most selfless act. He performed the most selfless of acts. He risked his life in an effort to save a wounded teammate. His sacrifice will not go unrecognized, and our nation will continue to exist as the greatest on earth because of the service of extraordinary men like Mark Forrester. Although I will never live up to the standard of selflessness and heroism that Mark set, I consider myself blessed to have had the opportunity to serve as his commander. Please accept my sincerest condolences. Words cannot express how sorry I am. Myself, the Special Tactics Career Field, the Air Force, and the Nation are eternally indebted to Mark, to you, and to your entire family. We stand ready to, to assist in any way possible. And you have to understand, too, this letter came at a time when we were still just searching and just hungry for details of what happened because no one we had talked to had actually been there. Uh, we, but we actually did talk to Colonel Hughes on the phone sometime after Mark's death and before his funeral. And so this letter was, this letter was great to receive. Uh, now I'll, I'll get in and we'll talk to Terry and dad. Dad, will you describe Mark as a child? Well, you know, I gave Mark the nickname Hammerhead. <laughs> and you know why I gave him that name? Why? Because he was hard-headed. <clears throat> you know, when he, if Mark decided to do something, He's pretty much going to do it, mm-hmm. and, and uh, he and I had a few hard, had a little hard time about that. But uh, you know, he usually did what I said after a while. <laughs> but sometimes it took a while. He was just he was determined about what he wanted to do. Well, and that was a, became a that was a strength of his too. Later on, I'm sure that was a benefit. But what what else yeah. was something like a trait that he had as a child that maybe drove y'all crazy? but, you know, became a, a strength later on as an adult. More of what Daddy just said. More of the Mark just being just stubborn. Just like Daddy said, if he wanted something or he was going to do something, he was going to do it. And I think that was always a little bit of a battle. Yeah. And, and he was always, you know, Mark was tough, even a little. You know, he was the youngest one in the family. He was a lot smaller than, than, than his brothers. <clears throat> and I remember him telling y'all 
uh, one day I'll be bigger than you. And he was. It weren't turned out that way. And he was. But yeah. you, you know, even though y'all gave him a hard time, y'all kind of picked on him sometimes, but uh, he never whined about it or cried or complained. He'd just go after you. Yeah, he'd give it back to him, wouldn't he, Daddy? Yeah. Yeah. But now he loved, he loved tagging along with you, Pat. I mean, Mark wanted, Mark, wherever you were going, he wanted to go with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's and my little brother. Take, yeah. I remember taking him to me on dates when I started dating, when I turned 16. Yeah, so what was that like, and why did you do it? Because <laughs> he was my baby. <laughs> um, I mean, literally, I... I felt like he was mine so if i was leaving the house going somewhere so many many times i took him with me especially to go to bama drive in and get a um an oreo blizzard <laughs> we did that even when he was little we did that did anybody have a problem with him coming no and if they had him i wouldn't have gone <laughs> no uh-uh well, what about Terry? Go back. What, Dad? Everybody liked Mark. He got along with all the bigger people. Mm-hmm. They liked him. Well, maybe to set the stage, Terry, will you describe when Mark was born? You know what that was like for you, and what what role you played with him just as a baby. Well, even before Mark was born, when mom was pregnant with Mark, of course I had, you know, it was me as the oldest and then you three boys. And so I wanted a girl. I mean, I was, you know, I couldn't wait, Thought it had to be a little sister. And when mom went to the doctor and came home and told me it was another boy, I was mad. I mean, I really was, I acted ugly about it. I was mad. Um, But then the very minute he was born, and Daddy snuck me in there in the room. I, that it was all over then. My heart was it was taken then. I mean, I treated him like he was mine. He slept with me. Um, I would get up during the night and take him in there to Mama, so you know, so she could nurse him. Mm-hmm. And I would sit down by the bed and wait. And then when he got finished, I'd take him back in the bed with me. <laughs> and you named him, didn't you? <laughs> I, I did, yes. Did you give him the I middle did. name Andrew also? Um, I think Daddy did more of the Andrew. I just did the Mark part. I did the Andrew because that was my one of my great grandfather's names. Yeah. Well, Mama, Mama had said to me that I could pick out the name since I was so mad that it was a boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She told me to pick out the name. And since I couldn't name him Rebecca, we had to go with Mark. That's yeah, Rebecca wouldn't have looked. That wouldn't have been good. No, <laughs> it wouldn't have gone well with Rebecca. And you know, the first name I liked was Adam, and Mama absolutely vetoed that one. Hmm. Yeah. So, and it. I mean, just think about it. I don't see Mark was. He was not an Adam. He was. He's just the Mark Andrew. Mm-hmm. And it turned out with the whole hammerhead thing, like Daddy said. Because um, that was what Mark meant, wasn't it, Daddy? 
mark means meant hammerhead. So yeah, it turned out or perfect. smashing hammer or something like that. Right? We talk yeah. talk about that in the book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What about Mark when he was young? You know, we all played outside a lot. We grew up in a great area. Um, what about Mark? I mean, I'm sure. I mean, he was the same way, right? He didn't. He wasn't sitting inside watching TV. He was always outside too, exploring, uh, right? Well, yeah, he was always outside. Y'all all were. Um, I mean, there wasn't any of this sitting inside playing video games and, you know. On cell phones, y'all played outside with sticks and bicycles and, you know, animals, your dogs. And, and jumping off of houses. Yes, jumping off <laughs> Let me tell you one of the things I remember about Mark. I don't, I don't remember how old he was, but he was, he was, I don't know, maybe eight or six or eight or ten or something along that. But I was out in the yard one day. He'd been down, <clears throat> down that store playing with the Kilpatrick's and the Welbers and all the boys in this neighborhood. He came walking up to me in the yard. He said, "Well, Dad, I've done it again." <laughs> he was holding his arm, and he, he, had, and you could tell his arm was broke. I mean, I could look at it and tell. Uh, and that was a, that was the third time. <clears throat> so I carried him out to the to the emergency room. They X-rayed his arm, showed me the X-ray, uh, <clears throat> and I took the X-ray and, and carried him up to Florence to get his arm set. And I asked the doctor, I said, look, why is this happening? Has he got uh, soft bones? He said, no, there's nothing wrong with his bones. He just rub on them. (laughs) (laughs) And was that a jumping off the house that third time? Was it? No. I don't remember what he was doing then for that time. I don't remember how it happened, but I just remember him walking up up the house Mm -hmm. holding his arm and said, well, Dad, I've done it again. I remember the first, because I was in college at Alabama, and Mark jumped off your desk here in the study, didn't he? He jumped and broke his arm. Yeah. And called me that night in his sweet little, I mean, because he was, I don't even think he was two yet. He might have been two, right at two. And um, he said to me, Sissy, it hurts. And that was, I was just, I mean, I can still hear that, <laughs> his voice saying that. I can still hear it. And it was awful not being here with him. Well, Dad, what kind of athlete was Mark? Mark was the kind of athlete he wanted to be. Mark Mark could have been as good an athlete as he wanted to be. That's something you know. What I remember about him getting cut from the basketball team. Mark had played basketball, and this was in I don't know what grade he was in, ninth or tenth or something. Yeah, ninth or tenth grade. <laughs> but you know, my rule was if you start something, you got to finish it. And I encouraged him to continue playing basketball because he played every year with, with his age group, and he was as good as any of them. <clears throat> but I, you know, he he got cut in the team because he didn't want to play. He he had talked to me about about quitting, and I wouldn't let him. He didn't like it. He'd rather be doing something else. Mm-hmm. So he just didn't try. Mm-hmm. You know, I I went up and talked to the coach. And the coach said, "Well, you know, he's just not good as the other boys." I said, "Well." That may be your opinion, but that's not right. But I've watched him play with these boys all his life, mm-hmm. and he's as good as he wants to be. If he'd want, if he wanted to play, he'd play. Mm-hmm. Well, but so, when he was a younger, he was a really good baseball player. He was, mm-hmm. and Mark, when he was young, I forgot what age group. When I helped, you know, I helped coach her a few years with Don Hughes, and 
we got Mark. We got Mark to pitch some, but he didn't want it. He didn't want to be a pitcher, but he could pitch. He could have been a good pitcher, but he didn't want to. And you know, hard headed as he was, it's hard to make him do something he didn't want to do. <laughs> well, what kind of student was he? Not the best, not the worst. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I mean, you know, he he made decent grades. He passed everything, but he didn't. Uh, he didn't put enough. He didn't put much effort into it. You remember, so in high school, in the summers, he started pouring concrete with, with Mike Forrester. And yeah. when when it rained, they obviously didn't work. And he got started playing that dumb computer game. And yeah. I talk about this in the book, but he would sit and play. And he went through a lazy period, or I thought he was lazy. He played that game all the time. You remember that? He was lazy when that was, he was. What uh, was that game called, Dad? Return of the Shadow, I think. Return of the Shadow. I've got it in the book. Okay. Did that bother you, Dad? Yes. <laughs> did you ever say anything to him? Yeah, I sure did. A well, bunch of things, I'm sure. Well, what would he say? What was his response? Well, I mean, you know, when they, when they worked, he worked. This is free time. But you encouraged him to do other things with that free time, right? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to. <laughs> well, why do y'all think that Mark served a mission? He went on a mission when he was 19, for those who don't know, uh, full-time for two years. So why do y'all think he did that? Because he wanted to. What kind of missionary do you think he was? Well, he must have been pretty good when he served as an assistant to the president for for over a year, according to his mission president, he was he was as good as it come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, do you think he had a hard time at first, you know, being homesick and, you know, adjusting to the culture? Well, I'm sure, yeah, I think he did. I'm sure he, all y'all did. Oh, yeah. But that's just part of it. Yeah, he went to Oakland, California, and I found a letter recently that he had written me. I found several letters that he wrote me while he was on his mission. And this is while he was in the MTC, so the Missionary Training Center, the first. So this would have been like the first four weeks of his mission. And he was just telling me how hard it was and how homesick it was. And I'm not surprised. You know, none of us ever went anywhere, really, before our missions. We hadn't moved off to college. We didn't know anybody who'd gone on missions, really. Mm-hmm. Only people Mark knew that had gone on missions really was his brothers. Yeah, but he knew that's what he was supposed to do, and he was going to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we, yeah, and we know he was a very good missionary who followed the rules and worked hard. And and it's I always loved how Mark told Mom when he was getting ready to deploy to Afghanistan, and Mom was worried, and he said, "Mom, I lived in Oakland for two years. I'll be fine in Afghanistan." Yeah. Yeah, they told me they heard the mission president wouldn't let them go out of their apartment at night because they heard gunfire every night in Oakland. <laughs> that was just preparing him, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> well, um, we know that. I guess why did Mark? Why did Mark choose to finish college and also and then choose to enlist? In the Air Force. 
he finished college because he knew that's what he was supposed to do. We'd always, I started to say preach to him, but I always talked all, all about, you know, about getting an education. And he, Mark knew that's what he, he should do. And he went ahead and did it. And uh, knowing all the time he's going to enlist in the military. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was his plan to do that. Was to graduate from college and then go to the military. Because he started preparing himself for the military while he's in college. Swimming back and forth across Lake Tuscaloosa, where you're not even supposed to swim at all, but he'd go down there at night. <laughs> and, and he worked out all the time. He, Mark made the, developed himself into a man. Yeah, he did. He worked hard at it. He was, he was the most disciplined guy about, mm-hmm. about exercising, working out, you know, building his body that I've ever known. Well, even something as simple as, not peeing the whole drive to t- San Antonio. So 14 hours from Tuscaloosa to San Antonio, he said, I'm just not going to pee. Just to prove he could do it. <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> he did it both mind ways, over, there and back. He believed in mind over body. <laughs> yeah. What do you all think he'd be doing now if he hadn't have joined the military? Mm. I don't know. Remember, Mom wanted him to be a dentist. <laughs> Mark said, I'm not being a dentist. <laughs> I mean, he had a finance degree, so I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's doing. Goodness. What about, Hanging what would he be doing if he hadn't have been killed? Do you think he'd still be in, or would he be out? I think he'd still be in. I don't think he would have left of his own free will at all. What do you think, Dad? I think he'd still be in. He'd he'd be training recruits right now. <laughs> well, he'd be a good trainer, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would. So, what were besides being hard headed? What were some of his strengths? As a part of being hard headed, Mark was dedicated to whatever he wanted, whatever he decided to do. I mean, he was going to put forth whatever effort it took to accomplish it, and, and nobody could stop him. Mm-hmm. Or he'd run to me and tell me if somebody's being mean to him. <laughs> yeah, you weren't too far from a baton either. I was not, no. <laughs> Had one and knew how to use it. <laughs> what were what were some of Mark's weaknesses? Mm, video games. <laughs> but he got past that phase. No, yeah, actually, yeah. no, he... Boy, he was good at those things, even as a up until the the day he deployed. Basically, I mean, he I don't think it was a weakness at that point, you know. But he was good. Didn't put it. He didn't put as much time into it then. No, no, not at all. No, but boy, he'd get mad playing those games. Yeah. <laughs> Lose that temper of his. But Mark was Mark was disciplined. He had a lot of self discipline. Yeah, I think Mark and Nick. My son would be very close. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. They're very much alike. When I was playing tennis this weekend with Joseph, I told him how Mark wasn't a lot of fun to play tennis with because he would get so mad. (laughs) (laughs) He'd get really mad. Yeah, losing was not his thing. (laughs) He wasn't 
<laughs> well, I mean, and he was good too, but the, you know, and that was really we didn't play a lot once he had kind of made his metamorphosis. But in yeah. his earlier days in college, we did. Yeah, he he hadn't gotten a full, full hold of his temper at that point. Yeah. <laughs> well, he had to work on it till he got it down, I guess. Terry, when you think of Mark, like what image do you have in your head? Um, oh, several, several pop up. Of course, just him as a baby. I mean, because I, I can just see him the first time I saw him. Just precious little boy. And then I put him just running around here and had just white blonde hair. It was just so blonde. And that whole haircut he had around his, you know, well, like all y'all had, I guess. And I remember him snuggling up next to me in the bed even when he was, you know, getting over. He would come in and lay with me. I try not to think about um, the bad stuff. Because my first thought when somebody says Mark's name, it usually makes me smile first. It makes you what? Makes me smile first. Oh, okay. Like for somebody to mention Mark to me or ask me anything about Mark, um... I don't go straight tears. I usually smile first um, because I was very proud of the man that he was. And I just tried. I just try to keep my head on all the good, positive things, you know. And I re- and I remember when he left, when he was going to leave. All I was doing was. Mark, have you prayed about this? And he said, yes, I have, and this is what I'm supposed to do. I said, then you go do it, and you do it the best that you can. And I meant that. And I can see in my head doing just that, you know, going over there and just just being Mark and getting mad, and, you know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very proud of him, very proud of him. Let me tell you, Mark loved his mother. Mm-hmm. When Mark would go out, you know, when he was grown, when he'd go out at night, no matter what they came in, he'd go back there and lay down on the bed beside his mother and talk to her. Daddy, how about when um, he had to throw some over something up in the tree outside? Yeah. This is just more of his determined nature, Thad. Listen to this one. This was when Mark was... He was in, he's already in the military. In some period of his training, he came home a few days and he brought this rope with, with rings on it. Rings hang up. And he wanted to put them up in this big old tree we had out here behind Swain. It was a big tree. The limbs are all up high. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to put a limb right there. I said, Mark, that's too high. I don't know how you going to get up there to The limb wasn't straight. It was lean, twisted. He said, I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to put it right there. <laughs> so I left. I don't remember if I was going to work or where, but I, when I came back, Mark had those rings up there, had them leveled, had them leveled, and he could, he, if he'd, he'd pull up all those rings over his head, he'd pull himself up, pull them rings down by his side, 
and hold himself up up yeah. in the air. And hold himself up like that. Mm. I still don't know how he got up there to that limb. Oh, this is a big tree. Somehow I reckon he... But he didn't break his arm, so that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do y'all think Mark's legacy is? He died protecting his country. That's the way he is. That's what he loved. He loved his, you know, his lost country and his family and his heavenly daughter. And he, and he left a legacy of a, a guy that knew what he, why he was in this, what his, what his purpose was in his life, why he was here and what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And, and it, he, he had, he had morals about him and he stuck by him. They never, he never changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just knew what he was, what he was supposed to do and he did it. Nobody changed it. Terry, this is a question for you. How did you okay. find out about Mark's death? Daddy called me. I was living in Birmingham. And Daddy called, and I just answered the phone like, you know, hey, Dad, you know, just like everything's just fine. Um, all my kids were home which with six kids, that never happened all at one time. And Jim was home, and that never happened on that particular night. He was supposed to have been gone. But plans changed, and he was home. Thank goodness for that. But Daddy called me, and the minute I heard his voice, he didn't even have to say it. I knew. I knew exactly what it was. I remember running into the next room and hitting the floor in the corner by the edge of the, by the side of the couch. And I don't remember too much after that, frankly. Not not a whole lot after that, that night. Did you sleep that night? I don't think I slept at all. I may have just worn myself out sometimes crying and screaming. Did you want to come to Halo that night? Yeah. Wednesday night. What kept you from yeah. doing that? Well, because Daddy told me not to, that my kids had school Thursday and Friday. And Daddy said, no, you need to stay down there and keep the kids in school. Because, you know, with Mark being killed in Afghanistan, it was going to take a, a while. We didn't know anything. How arrangements that time. Yeah, there was, there was nothing. We didn't uh-uh. Didn't have any to do so. But I did come on Friday when the kids got out of school. I came on Friday. How did you tell your kids? I didn't. They heard me screaming, and they all knew what it was. They all knew. They all they took off running. Like Max takes off running outside the yard. I mean, the kids just kind of dispersed themselves because <laughs> they, you know. I mean, you just, you, there's no other reason for me to be carrying on like I was. And then Jim went and after he came in there and checked on me, then he went and talked to the kids. And Max called um, Bryant. And um, I think Bryant came over that night. Um, I think, I don't, I, you know, I'm, 
my mind gets kind of jumbled if I try to think about what happened when. But um, Brian came over and helped with the kids, and several people came over to my house. And goodness knows there was a bunch of people that showed up here at Mom and Daddy's. Oh, yeah. Terry, how have you dealt with Mark's death over the years? I did not really too well at first, I would say. Didn't handle it very well, very well. But as time has passed, I've become more um, to where I want to think about the alive mark, not not what happened to him. You know what I mean? Um, I like to just think think about. I mean, he's my baby brother, so. That's why I said, you know, now when I think about him, I smile because I I think about the good things. And I'm just so darn proud of him that, you know, you, I have to smile about that. I just have to. Dad, how have you dealt with it? Not, not, very, not very well. Not very good. You know, I don't ever remember crying in my life. Tomorrow, till this happened tomorrow. Now, every time I think about him, I... Get with. Mm-hmm. The only time I ever saw you cry was when Papa died, and I was young. And when Mama died, that's the only time I've ever, I'd ever seen you cry. What about you, Thad? How do you deal with deal with it? Well, I think I just put, especially for the for the first several years, I put so much energy into the book and the foundation. That was a big help. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I've got the podcast, and so, I don't know, I guess I have different outlets that way, and then I've, you know, one regret I have is I just never, you know, Mark and I lived together, and he was exercising a lot, mm-hmm. and I didn't, one bit. I, was, I, I considered my tennis league sufficient enough, and I really regret mm-hmm. that, and so I started, you know, I've exercised regularly ever since then. And, and, I, mm-hmm. and I started swimming. I haven't because I, I used to have access to a, a good pool. But you know, he 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 has helped motivate me. You know, just to push myself to with exercising. And so, I mean, it's not like I'm I'm in shape like him or anything. But it's it's he's helped me to be to feel pretty good physically. And then um, I don't know. I mean, I. You know, I see him in my boys, or in Jack, really, my oldest son. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about him a lot. Sometimes it's easy, and sometimes it's hard. That's right, yeah. I think especially when mm-hmm. I see either a picture of him that I've never seen before, or mm-hmm. I see a picture of him as a little boy, those are the two that really get me. Yeah, the little ones are, um, the little ones really get me. <laughs> Tell you what he's done to me and mom. We're not Ray and Pat anymore. We're Mark's parents. I, I was in a line at walk check out Walmart a few months ago, and this fellow sat behind me. You know, I turned around and said, "Hi, how you doing?" Just making small talk. He said, "Are you Mark Forster's dad?" <laughs> yeah, that you is get that all the time. <laughs> well, what else would y'all like to say about Mark? Mark was the most disciplined guy you'd ever you'll ever meet when he made up his mind to do something. And he, he 
he had the discipline to stick with it. It's when he decided he was going, and when he decided he was going in the military, and that was back while he was on his mission, I think he said. So when he came home from his mission and started the school down in Tuscaloosa, he started preparing himself. He got himself in shape, physically and mentally. Yeah, it goes to show that, you know, people can change, and Mark Mark went through that lazy period, and he became he was a he was a doer before that, and he was a doer after that. Mm-hmm. And I think about a time when we went to Colorado to see Joseph and Patsy, and we went skiing, and it was the winter time, and and we were actually seeing a friend out there too, and we got stuck in a blizzard. Coming back, Dad, I think you and Mom were out there at this time, too. Y'all just didn't go skiing with us. And so we got stuck on this mountain on Floyd Hill, and it was it was awful. It was hours and hours and hours. And so there was nothing to, enough to do but to, well, you sit around or get out and talk to people. And, and yeah. so Mark and Joseph walked on up, walked a ways away. I didn't know what they were doing. I thought they were talking to people. And mm-hmm. me and Patsy and Michael, our friend, were staying back, sitting in the car, talk, walking around, talking to people, you know, not doing anything productive. Well, we found out, or I actually, I guess I finally walked up there, I don't know, a few hours later, and Mark and Joseph had been pushing people over the crest of the hill. Thank wow. goodness. I mean, they had been pushing multiple, multiple cars, and that's how we got over the hill is because they, they cleared the traffic up. But I didn't know they were doing that. But, you know, it what? takes somebody actually yeah. taking action mm-hmm. instead of sitting back expecting somebody else to do it. Yeah, Mark was not that kind of guy. Right. He wasn't going to sit back and wait. Anything else? I mean, there's going to be people listening to this who who don't know Mark. But, you know, some people aren't going to have that the interest. Uh, but the, probably the people who know Mark will be more interested in hearing this. But... Anything else, Terry or Dad, something personal that you'd like to share or not personal? <laughs> well, we get too personal. We'll, Dad and I both be crying here before long. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know, Dad. I don't know. I mean, I, I think describing Mark and how I feel about Mark um, is pretty hard to do. Like, I have a hard time finding the right words to say. I'm just proud of him for the the kind of man he made himself into. And he, he, he made himself what he was. Yes, he did. Do I wish he hadn't been quite as stubborn and he would have stayed back and waited for a little while like he was supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, I kind of wish that would happen. But Mark, like I said, Mark is, you know, he's the jump in the middle of action kind of guy and I respect that about him well I do he could have gone into the military as an officer with a college degree and he wouldn't do it right he said he wanted to be out there where the action was Mm Mhm. he didn't want to sit at a desk and when he told me what he was going to do I I said to Mark now that's certainly not what I would choose for you but if that's what you're going to do all I do is support you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think he's supported from everybody in the family. You know, Certainly. he knew that we were, we knew, we were all. Well, everybody knew that Mark was doing what Mark wanted to do. Yeah. 
I remember going to Walmart with Mark one night in Haleville. And so this was not too long before he was going to deploy. And we saw one of his old friends that he had grown up with and graduated with. And they hadn't seen each other in a while. And they talked, stood there and talked a little bit. And I was there too. And the, I remember the other, the other guy was just talking about himself the whole time and never once asked Mark about Mark and what, or what mm-hmm. he was doing. And after that exchange, I remember I said to Mark, man, he has no clue what you've been training for and what you're doing and what you're going to be doing. I thought mm-hmm. that was a shame. I hated that. But, you know, Mark didn't volunteer it, which was cool. Mm-hmm. He wasn't trying to bring attention to himself. No, he, he wouldn't do that. Mark didn't want people to know what he was doing. He didn't care, he didn't care that people didn't know the, the, the training he was going through. Oh, I personally told him I didn't want to know too much. Because I, I feel, you know, mother hen, like protective. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to know too much. Well, he wouldn't tell you too much. He's kind of, he's kind of like his older brother David. He won't tell you anything. You have to drag it out of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he wasn't big on sharing stuff, was he, Daddy? No. <laughs> didn't want to give out much information. Well, thanks, y'all. I've enjoyed it. If there's nothing else, then we'll call it good. Okay. All right, Dad. Well, thank you for what you're doing for our brother. Well, it's what I love. Who cares if anybody else enjoys it? I do. So that's all. That's, that's right. That's right. Well, thank you, baby. I love you. Love you, too.